0: Talk to you. I I just love the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. I, I really do. First of all, I love the people. I love Ezra. You get to know Ezra. You get to know Nehemiah a little bit. And those two guys, they're coming out of the worst set of circumstances you could possibly come out of. They are slaves. They do not own themselves. Other people own them. Uh, and yet, in and through the slavery, God raises those two boys up. And they're just willing to do his will and risk it for him. And look what great things that they did. Nehemiah, Ezra built the temple back, even though it wasn't as big as the other one. They got a temple to sacrifice. Uh, Nehemiah put the walls back up. But it was all bigger. It was bigger than a temple and walls. It was a sense of revival that came over the people of God. And, uh, man, I want to be the revival people, amen? I, I don't want to be the ones who forsook God and cause the judgment to come upon uh, the people of God. I want to be the kind of Christian that causes God to come and revive and move and, and the Spirit of God to hover over uh, and to see people saved. Well, in reading this passage, and I'm not going to read it yet, and I'm going I'm to say a few things uh, before we go to that, so but you be there at Nehemiah chapter 8. In this life, we get excited and we rejoice about all kinds of things. I mean, mostly things, however, that we cannot keep. Will it get. I've seen people get excited, I just listed a few here that I've watched through the years. They get excited about a new house, or maybe a new car, or a new Longhorn Laramie Dodge pickup, a new Harley Ultra Classic Limited motorcycle, a new possibly a new piece of equipment, a new saw or a new drill. You know some male-oriented here, right? How about new tools, man? Everybody said amen. New tools, some sort of new drill, new brushless drill. Uh, uh, then we'll go to the feminine side, new decorations. Uh, ladies like to change things, they like to change, I mean, I think these 20-year-old drapes are perfectly fine, but the ladies say, oh, that's passe, that was history, you know, them old cabinets are no good anymore, you got to put in these painted cabinets, are you kidding? But anyway, they rejoice, people rejoice with new decorations, they, they new decor, uh, they, they put new furniture in their house. Ladies love, and men too, but they love new furniture. Uh, new appliances, new washer, new dryer, new dishwasher, new uh, refrigerator. Uh, they, people rejoice with a new job. They get burnt out on their old job, dread to get up and go to work, and they eventually change jobs for whatever reason. They go to the new job and they say, oh man, I'm, I'm excited again about getting up and going to work. They get excited about promotions. I just got a promotion at work and, and now I'm a supervisor of the supervisors. Uh, they, 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 like people like new fun things to do. Uh, I learned how to, uh, my wife is, is at 66 years old is going to an art class. Now I could save her all that. She has no artistic talent at all. But anyway, um, but she says, it's not about that. It's about going with the girls and stuff. I said, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Um, it's better than going to the gym. But um, <laughs> new, new clothes. Oh, I'm being real. I'm ending up feminist. I'm, I'm, I'm ending up a feminist here. Uh, new clothes. Oh, girls like new clothes. I had somebody come up to me after I preached on the wilderness wanderings, and it, you know, the shoes didn't wear out, and the clothes didn't wear out, and some girl came up to me, lady, came up to me afterwards, and she says, I can't even believe that would be horrible. She says, you mean I got to wear the same shoes for 40 years? I never thought of it in that direction, but I thought it could be, I suppose, by somebody feeling bad about that. Their clothes didn't wear out. Some girls are glad their clothes wear out. In fact, women's shoes are the cheapest made shoes on the planet. They pay all kinds of money for them. They only last three or four, uh, well, never mind. They last, and the, you know what I'm saying, they need a new pair. People rejoice. I've seen people rejoice in just a pair of shoes. I've seen men rejoice in getting a new gun. Oh, yeah. They get that new Colt, AR-15, laser sighted, light, all kinds of good stuff, 30-round clip or 100-round barrel clip. Ooh, they say Brother Bill. Or maybe they get that new Python uh, stainless steel 6-inch barrel. Uh, ooh, or maybe they get him a new uh, Anaconda 44 Magnum Colt. Or possibly a um, a king cobra, colt. You know, so I like colt, um, or something. They get them excited. They get new hobbies. I'm changing hobbies. I mean, they get excited. People just get excited about that stuff. Uh, they get excited. Uh, those are things that I mentioned pretty much. But they also get excited about relationships and people. Uh, people should get excited about their marriage. They should get excited about their mates, their children. I, I I'm having a hard time doing this next one. They're pets. They should get excited about their family, their friends. Uh but even even at that those things really won't last as far as those relationships. There's gonna be no marriage in heaven. Uh no, we're not going to have our children in heaven. I don't. I mean, you may have your pet in heaven. You can think whatever you like about that. Uh, uh, some people said heaven wouldn't be heaven if my family went there. But anyways, you can see Brother Benny afterwards about healing that. But uh, you know, friends. I mean, people struggle. And but these relationships, at best, that I mentioned here, are tough. They're tough. Take your Bible keep it in Nehemiah now. Take your Bibles to Psalm 55. If you don't want to go there, just listen. Psalm 55, 12 through 14 says, for it was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man mine equal, my guide, mine acquaintance, who took, we took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company. Uh, uh, sometimes relationships go bad. Sometimes what brought you excitement, and, ooh-wee! You know, newly I like to hang around newlyweds. I do. I, I'll admit it. I just like their heat. This is the fact that they get around each other, their eyes lock, and they're just excited about it, and they look forward. And And that's the way I want to be. Well, I, I tell my wife, you are what you choose. And I tell her every morning, almost every day, and I almost never meant I love you. I, you're my, you're my sweet thing. But the funnest things in the world can get boring with repetition. Can they not? The most exciting things in this life can become a chore if repeated over and over and over again. I believe this wise, This is why the Bible suggests that married couples break away from each other for a time, for prayer and for fasting. After a birth of a child, a man and a woman stare to stay separate, depending on whether it's a male or female for a while. I think the Bible did that to make our marriages healthier because that separation can be beneficial. I've had women come into my office crying that their husband simply would not leave them alone. I mean, he wouldn't let them go shopping without him. Wouldn't let them go down the road with him. Had to be with him all the time. We're just with him all the time. She said, look, it's not that I don't love my husband. It's just, I need a break. Well, amen, brother. I believe that. If you ate ribeye every day, I'm talking about the best ribeye, aged ribeye, 30-day ribeye, whatever you want. You had the best ribeye every day, you'd be pretty soon, you couldn't stand to look at ribeye. Is that not true? If it's true, say amen. amen. You've never done it, so you don't know, right? I can tell you this for a fact. You can eat lobster to the place you don't want to eat lobster. I can tell you for a fact. My first years ago in lobster in 1979 80, we brought home 900 tails each. And we put them in the freezer, filled that thing up. We had everybody we knew over, over over, to the house. Lobster, all you can eat, piled them. We took it out of the shell, cooked it, piled it up, and just had them over. And, and um, they would eat them. And we'd rejoice in watching them eat it. But my wife would only eat one tail. I'd eat one tail. Why? Because we've had so much lobster that it has lost some of its pizzazz, And I can tell you, you can eat it to where you'd rather have a ham sandwich than than lobster. It can be that. Things in life. It's just things. You can eat ice cream every day to where you hate it. Now, from looking at some of you, you haven't come to that point yet. You just have to trust me on that. Keep eating it every day. Name something in this life, and you can wear it out by prolonged, constant, and ceaseless use. In our text that we're about to read, in verse 12 especially, there is a phrase that caught my attention based on what I've just told you. Something that one can really, really, really deeply Get excited about. And it never gets old. It never gets ho hum. Even the best of these things in this life, if done repeatedly, you'll get ho hum, but not what our brother says in verse 12 of chapter 8. It's something really to be happy about. It's something really to have joy about. Because the more you Use this. The more you expose yourself to this, the better it gets. Wow. Not many get, and by the way, now don't look down to verse 12 yet. In verse 12, there's not many people that get the privilege to have what verse 12 says they can have. In fact, I may say confidently that it is rare. And if I may say Jesus' words, few be there that find it. And so now let's read the text with that preamble. And Ezra the scribes stood upon a pulpit. This is verse 8. Stood upon a pulpit of wood. That's why we keep this wood. They did not have lexicon. They did not have plastic. We're not going to have it. Ezra the scribes stood upon a pulpit of wood which they had made for the purpose, and beside him stood all these other people. And Ezra opened verse verse five. And Ezra opened the opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. That's kind of where we are you see where we get why we do what we do. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Now this is something we don't do here at the gospel. It's not commanded in Scripture. But I know places where you go that if the Bible is read or open, everybody stands up. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a good practice. Nothing wrong with it. We don't have to do it. It's not commanded. But I like it. I like it. But it's, it's, it was in this case, it was an impromptu thing. These people had been judged by God Almighty. Their forefathers especially had been judged by God Almighty and taken captive into Babylon. Their city had been burnt. Jerusalem had been destroyed. The walls had been pushed down. and The, the, the gates had been burnt. The temple had been, had been destroyed. Eventually after 70 years a little group of 46,000 plus or 43,000 plus folks come on over and God lets them have a little nail hole in their holy land. He lets Ezra come over there and help build this little bitty temple, this humble temple. And, they, and the old man When they saw that temple, they cried. They didn't cry for joy; they cried for sorrow because they remembered Solomon's temple. But the young men who had never seen Solomon's temple they rejoiced and had a. So the Bible says you couldn't tell the difference between the crying and the and the uh, laughing. The old men wept and the young men laughed. And they get restored back into the temple with the permission of Cyrus, the king of Babylon. He finances it. He protects them. He taxes the area around Jerusalem to pay for it. Now tell me that ain't God. And I believe God today can do the same thing for us. People want to say, America's shot. America's lost. The Christian nation's over. Yeah, well, they thought the same thing. But there is a God in heaven. And his people, which are called by his name, will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways and seek his face. He'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin. He'll heal their land. That's what he did here. Man, these people now, These people haven't had the Word of God. They haven't had a preacher. They took for granted when they had it, when they had preachers. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, those those boys record the horror of when they had all that. They took it for granted and they got bored with it and they didn't like it anymore and they turned away from it and God said, you can't have it. You are going to desire it, but you're not going to find it. What you have going on here this morning is a privilege given to us by God Almighty. Don't ever take this for granted. Don't take one Sunday for granted. Don't take one sermon for granted. Don't take one choir number for granted. Brother, it's a gift from God Almighty. Verse 6, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered amen, amen. There is nothing wrong with saying amen at church, amen. Amen? Amen. You know, I'm prejudiced. I am prejudiced. I'm just going to tell you this, I'm prejudiced. I really love black church, black folks' church. I just like the way they do it. I like the way the black folks do their church better than the way the white folks do their church. And you forgive me for that i think i got a little black in me if i went back i went back and did my did my ancestry i quit i realized i had american indian in me and i had black folks in me and anybody that wandered by <laughs> i am not a blue blood i'm a junkyard dog blood and uh god bible in fact brother benny's book says god really uses preachers' weaknesses more than their strengths. Well, he's got a lot to work with of me, brother. I'm full of weakness. I'm full of inadequacy. But I serve a God that's adequate. And I serve a God that can do anything. There is nothing impossible with him. And so they said, amen, amen. Said it twice. Lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads in worship like this. They stayed standing. They bowed their heads and raised their hands. They were so, so overwhelmed with what was going on in front of them. They had waited seventy plus years—long time now. Seventy years, long time now. For even you old folks, seventy years a long time. And and the rest of, in verse seven, all these people mention caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. And verse 8 is the key verse. So they read in the book, in the law of God, distinctly, and gave the sense, and caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is uh, the Tershitha. And Ezra the priest the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God, mourn not. Nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Boy, as a preacher, you know, I tell you, characteristic when God comes in a place is weeping, is personal confession and weeping. A brokenness comes across the hearts of the people of God when the Holy Spirit shows up in His power. It's, it's just, you can't read a book on revival that you don't see it. Here it is. This is a revival. You see it here. He said, this is a day, holy unto the Lord your God. Don't mourn. Don't weep. And I bet that surprised him some. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, go your way, eat the, eat the fat. One of my favorite verses of Scripture. Eat the fat. You health food, folks, I want you to get right with God today. I'm really praying you get right with God. Eat the fat. Drink the sugar. Drink the sweet. Eat the fat. Send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord, neither be you. Sorry for the joy of the Lord is your strength. I'm not preaching on that text today, but I have before. So the Levites stilled all the people saying, hold your peace for the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. Then verse 12, and all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth. Mirth is joy. Mirth mirth is is a feeling that just, have you ever gotten so tickled you just laugh? I was laughing the other day, my wife was sitting in her place, we have our places, you know, at our house. and I was sitting in my place, she was sitting in her place and she i started giggling and i started laughing and i started laughing and giggling and laughing i knew it wasn't going to take long she was going to say now what are you laughing about I, I just i just i was tickled about something i was thinking about something and laughing about it enjoying i have you ever have you ever gotten re, you're reading a scripture and you're you're with god in, in in a moment of devotion and and god just shows you something and he kind of takes your eyes and he peels back to a the, 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 the dimness of them, and lets you see for a moment something you've never seen before, and you just have a little, you just begin to laugh, you cry, you laugh. That's what this is. Is they made great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. Now, folks, of all the things that this world presents to us, I mean, all the material, the the myriad of material things it presents to us, the myriad of relational things that this world presents to us, nothing is better and more lasting and more fulfilling than being able and being given the gift of understanding the Word of God. There is no greater blessing. The devil does not get it. He's one of the highest created beings of all, uh, possibly possibly the highest created being of the angels before he fell. He don't get it. The demons, obviously by the Gospels, they don't get it. What have you done? What are you doing here if you come to torment us before the time? They were confused. They didn't get it. The cults out there don't get it. Most of the major line denominations today do not get it and do not even believe it for the most part. I'm going to say this, I'm not picking on anybody, but it's the truth, the Pope does not get it. The Islamics do not get it. The Buddhists do not get it. I'm talking about a lot of folks here. The Mormons, 7 million Mormons, do not get it. The Jehovah's Witnesses, some 7 million, do not get it. The Seventh-day Adventists, some five million, do not get it. The hundreds and hundreds of cults and every kind of name and little little schism that are out there with their own peculiarities, do not get it and do not accept what the Bible says in totality. Do not understand it. Why don't they understand it? Because there's only one way to understand the Word of God, and that is to have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. And how do you get the Holy Spirit dwelling within you? except a man be born again. You have to be born again. You have to be born again. Makes sense. The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. So when you get saved, you repent repentant of your sins and you trust Christ by simple childlike faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you believe he was the one sent by God to forgive us of our sins, to pay for all of our sins, if we were simply believe. The word sometimes says believe, sometimes it says repent, sometimes it says receive. But basically, your spirit and God's spirit meet in an understanding that Jesus Christ is the one. He's the way, the truth, and the life. I like what you said this morning. It's not a truth. Truth is a person. Jesus Christ. Do you believe in Jesus Christ as the Savior, the Lord? Do you believe that he was sent by the Father to hang upon an old rugged cross, shed his blood, and the third day, he was it was sealed to be the true of all those that claim that it was sealed by the resurrection, that this is the one. He ascended back into heaven in the sight of the folks that were there. He's sitting on the right hand of the throne of God the Father right now, making intercession for us that are born again. The Holy Spirit was sent here on earth to indwell us. So we have the Holy Spirit now, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 6, and the Holy Spirit allows me to understand the words of this book. How, why are there so many cults people ask me regularly? And I'll tell you, it's simply answered. If you approach this book without the Holy Spirit, you're going to come up with the wildest, craziest theories you've ever seen in your life. You're going to come up with That when I partake of a piece of bread and drink a little juice, that's going to cleanse me of all my sins. You're going to come up with, if I go to a man and tell him my sins, somehow they're forgiven. You're going to come up with what Jesus was not God. He was just made. In fact, he was the brother of Lucifer. You're going to come up with all these wild and crazy interpretations and misinterpretations and misnomers. And and it makes sense. They don't have the blessed Holy Spirit. And when you have the Holy Spirit, you understand. You have a spiritual understanding. Now, Jesus said, few be there that find that. My wife constantly reminds me. Few be there that find it. And trust me when I tell you this the devil is throwing everything he's got at you to try to stop you from understanding it. He'll throw bad preachers in front of you and try to get you discouraged in the whole process. He'll throw bad uh, deacons in front of you and try to some hypocrite, some hypocritical deacon or some double living or double uh, a double maybe a lying deacon or something like that or a pastor, he'll throw in front of you, he'll, he'll put all these translations. Why do we have all these translations? Because of confusion. You go to a bookstore, which translation do you buy? You don't know which one to buy. Trust me, they're not all the same. Confusion. He corrupts the worship of God by bringing the rock and roll of the world into the worship. He, and, and, and trust me, even the world's scratching their head about that whole deal. Why are you bringing our music and our dance and our all stuff into your church and you say you are holy? Something ain't clicking. He'll use failing Christians. Maybe you'll do business with a Christian and the guy guy will say if you pay cash, it's cheaper. Why would it be cheaper for cash? Well, because I'm not going to pay taxes. Well, then you're cheating the government and you're sinning against God. I'll tell you what, I would rather err, and I'm going to, that I've paid more taxes than I should rather than less. Because he said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. I'm supporting what God's for. Every way I know how. You get tips, pay tax on them. You're supposed to. You trade and barter, are supposed to pay tax on the increase. Well, the government's got their finger in everything you do. You're not going to be able to somehow reason around it without cheating God. Get quiet in here. The goal of Satan, somehow or another, is to stop you from knowing the Word of God and from understanding it, period. These people were told that the reason, really, that they should rejoice, not not that, not that, that the Holy Spirit moved on Cyrus to finance Ezra to come back and Nehemiah to come back and, and, and pay for everything and tax the land so they could rebuild the walls and rebuild the temple, even though that's just, wow, that's something to be happy about. He said, Don't, that's, the real reason you need to rejoice is that you are hearing the word of God and you're understanding it. It's going in. Glory to God, hallelujah, says have a spell on that. Have a spell that you understand the Bible, that you this morning have a spell that you understand the Bible, you understand the plan of salvation, and you understand the plan of the ages if you've read much of the Scriptures. You understand the future, the coming of Christ, the reign of Christ for a thousand years upon this old earth. You understand a soul is going to live forever somewhere. You understand that Jesus Christ is the only savior, that he's God, manifest in the flesh, that he died for your sins, he was resurrected, sealed by the father, That by repentance and faith in him and his resurrection, you can have eternal life all of your sins forgiven, front to back, side to side. You can be born from above, born again. You can have your mind transformed and renewed. You can have your guilt taken away. You can have every sin, every transgression you've ever done forgiven and washed white as snow. Though it be red like crimson, it shall be as wool. You can have your name placed in a book called the Lamb's Book of Life. And I can tell you this from knowing Scripture, that if your name's in the Lamb's book of life, you get to go to heaven for all eternity and spend the rest of time, there is no time, the rest of whatever's out forever and ever with God. You're have a home in heaven. You're saved. You're transformed. You're predestined, predestinated, elected, and atoned for through the simple childlike faith in Jesus Christ. You understand this? If you do, rejoice. You say, Brother Bill, things are going bad for me. They won't last. They won't last. Things are going, you got the gout again, brother? It won't last. I know it's bad. You and I are brothers, right? I mean, we both had bad gout, right? I saw you no know, socks. I thought it wasn't some fashion trend. When old men don't wear socks, it's not because we don't, we don't want to wear socks. It's because something's wrong with us. And then when we do wear socks are white socks. I get a kick out of hanging around these young people and they look at me and says, White socks. I says really, man. I do it just because they say that. <laughs> Buddy, we need to rejoice. I hope you get this and get it real good that you're part of the few. You're part of the privileged. You're part of the royal priesthood. You're part of the peculiar people. And as a pastor, amen, amen. You're part of the chosen generation. You're part of the holy nation. In verse 12 of Nehemiah 8, and I read again, and all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth. Why? Because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. My dear friend this morning in the sound of my voice, whether it be internet or here, if you understand the gospel of Jesus Christ in the Bible, after you trusted Christ your Savior and you're able to read through the Bible and the Holy Spirit's able to interpolate it and let you know what it is, you got something to rejoice that nothing can put out. No amount of this suffering on this side of heaven can put it out. You got something real deep magnanimous father help us this morning may the word of god may it do what it does father thank you for the blessed holy spirit we pray as in the day of nehemiah that that really in some ways that we would not have to get like these folks to get where we appreciate the preaching of the bible the teaching of the Bible, or the Bible itself. God forbid that we'd have to get in a place that these people had to get in before they really understood the privilege they had. Before they understood how wonderful it was that they could come to a place and hear the Bible preached and explained, and that they actually could understand it. Oh, Father, help us to rejoice Uh, Help us overcome all the resistance of the evil one as he tries to discourage us in this area. There may be some in this room say, Brother Bill, I don't know much about the Bible. haven't been in church much, but I do believe Jesus Christ died for me. And the Holy Spirit's made it plain this morning that I'm a sinner unable to save myself and I'll not be able to stand before Jesus Christ If I do not repent and trust Him as my Savior. I like in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. The Bible says, you you can like it or not like it, but the Bible says there's one Savior. There's one Lord. And He came to die for you, and His name is Jesus Christ. Do you believe? I like the old boy that said, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. You may be struggling. Why don't you just let us talk to you? Let us pray with you this morning. We're not a cult. We're not going to push anything down your throat. We're not going to rash you in any way, but we'd love to talk to you about this thing called salvation. And as we sing in a few minutes, you can make your way forward if you'd like, and someone will take you to the back in a room one-to-one to to speak to you. After the invitation is over, you can seek one of us out, Brother Moon, myself, Dr. Crabb, and just say, I'd like to talk to you more about Jesus. Maybe Brother Ludwig. And Father, just give us wisdom from heaven as we speak to these folks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Sing two. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com,